0: Welcome to the Manning Up podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 7th. It's the day after the midterms. Hopefully yesterday you went and voted. Uh, if you saw my announcement, you would have probably known that I was going to plan on doing some type of live stream. The technology in order to do that is not something that I have familiarized myself with enough. I know I tr- I said that I was going to do some things in the past as far as things for this podcast things things for you guys it's just not all worked out that way i think that sometimes i i'm a little bit too ambitious with the things that i try and do and find that i find that it's not as feasible it's not as plausible as i had originally thought but but i'm able now to recap Pretty much everything that went down instead of doing this really long live stream, like I said, I might have tried to do. I can now come today on Wednesday the day after midterms and give you basically a quick rundown of everything that happened in in a minute. honestly, all you really need to know are a few things if you live in the state of Ohio, you need to know that you have no you have two democratic senators representing your state in the Senate. if you live in Ohio, you need to know. <clears throat> That, the GOP basically won every major election for a state governorship. Um, the attorney general Republican, the secretary of state uh, Republican, the governor Republican Mike DeWine beat Cordray and um, Cordray and Sutton. That's the the duo that were running there. Betty Sutton and gosh, what's can't remember his first name. Anyways, Cordray. They they took the um, the loss on that. So big big GOP wins in Ohio, but overall nationally for Ohio we we were not unable to get the representation, but what's what's nice about was what's good about this is that there was supposed to be a massive blue wave. There was supposed to be especially when you have a party in power, you have the Republicans in power right now and typically when that party is in power after a presidential election, the House and the Senate will flip. So, with a president as divisive as Donald Trump, you would have expected the House and the Senate to flip easily. But that didn't happen. Especially what what was nice is that I feel like if the Kavanaugh stuff hadn't happened, the Senate most definitely would have flipped. Which didn't happen. We gained, it looks like, anywhere from two to four seats in the sen- Senate. We have kept the majority in the Senate, but the House, on the other hand, right now is flipped. It was flipped, but just to put this into perspective, when Obama had control in uh, 2010, <clears throat> pardon, when Obama had control in 2010, the Republicans were able to take 63 seats during that midterm election. Whereas right now, it looks like Trump. Uh, in his presidency during the midterms the democrats are only going to be able to take 26 seats so even though they're taking control of the house this was not at all the blue wave that they thought was going to happen i think one of the biggest things to to look at when you're looking back at the midterms when you're looking back at all the all of the garbage that went on all the um divisive tactics used by both parties one thing that is for certain is that the celebrity influence on these elections is little to nothing and it might even turn away some voters you can see in tennessee when taylor swift came out and endorsed the democratic candidate there that candidate lost it looked about looked like a 30 point spread i might be getting that wrong but last night when i was watching it was somewhere close to a 30 point spread that's not doing anything. That's not helping your cause at all. Stacey Abrams, the Georgia um, Georgia senator, governor, maybe, um, she lost to the Republican candidate there. She was being endorsed by o- Oprah Winfrey, and Oprah Winfrey was campaigning for her the past couple weeks. None of these celebrity endorsements were able to do anything at all. I mean, the only one that looked like it did anything was the Beto O'Rourke endorsement for Texas Senate. <clears throat> for the te- the Texas senator against Ted Cruz. But then again, you can just say that because they were pumping millions and millions and millions of dollars into that campaign for Beto O'Rourke. I mean, seriously, the amount of out out of state money that went into that campaign for Beto O'Rourke was insane. And he still lost. So this is a this is a nice moral victory to show that Texas, although it is turning more purple, meaning it is becoming more of a mix of Republicans and Democrats, although it is turning more purple, it is remaining Remaining Republican, Ted Cruz Ted Cruz has kept his seat, and that I mean that for me is a victory. I know that I went on Twitter last night and people were going insane. People cannot understand how their party continues to lose. When you see when you see their reactions, you see well, that reaction right there is exactly why you continue to lose. When you think that the opposition are racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes, people who have no empathy whatsoever, people who are filled with hate, when you expect your opposition to be like that, of course, of course you're not you're not going to win. When you're automatically labeling your opposition as evil people, that only encourages them that only motivates them to go out and vote that don't, that does not help at all this polarization this polarization due to the reactionary politics has to really slow down i talked about this a couple weeks ago when i was saying that the temperature of american politics is way too high right now and you saw that with the MAGA bomber you saw that with a lot of other violent attacks and the incivility the t- the politics on twitter are just one of the one of the ways that is ramping up the temperature people are people their ideas how, no matter how stupid they are no matter how uninformed they are they get validated through likes and retweets i mean it's truly toxic and it's co- corrosive to american politics where this is this is your real fake news when you have People tweeting whatever they feel like, like, oh, there was a popular vote and the Democrats had way more than the Republicans for the Senate. It's like the popular vote doesn't mean anything at all for the Senate. Why are people tweeting about a popular vote for the Senate? It literally means nothing. Each state is each state. Like, why are you adding in together all the states combined, Democrats voting for senators and Republicans voting for senators? It's like a state to state thing. Each state gets two senators. Why are you adding in a popular vote that's not even relevant? But you see people in the media talking about a popular vote. You see people on Twitter talking about a popular vote. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I I really don't understand this. And this is exactly why I had to stop going on Twitter, because I would see the stupidest tweets. And it just makes you, like, no matter what, it just makes you want to react to it. It makes you want to reply or say something back, like you're an idiot, you know, that's, that's your initial reaction, but you really have to stop yourself. I mean, it is so hard. The self-control that I have to exhibit when I go on Twitter to not, to not, uh, lash out on some of these people. I mean, this is a really good, um, good way for me to practice some self-control and some patience. I mean, this is, here's, here's one example. Okay. So this kid in Texas tweeted a picture of him wearing a Beto work shirt with his friend wearing a Make America Great Again shirt. The caption was, at the end of the day, always remember that friendship is always more important than politics. And your initial reaction is, that is how it should be. That is how it should be. Do not automatically label people as left or right. Label them by their character label them by by I mean have have your friendship be the most important thing that's what this kid is saying he's saying A politics aside we're still friends that should be the normal thing right well that that tweet got just to put this into perspective that tweet got 34,000 likes and 7,000 retweets then this insufferable person decides to quote that tweet that means that you take you take the tweet and then you comment on it as your own tweet this person decides to say Oh, it must be nice. Uh it must be nice being white because politics is just something they do for fun and it doesn't actually affect their lives personally. If I didn't say, the two people wearing shirts were white and they look to be like they're in high school. And this person. It must be nice being white because politics is just something they do for fun and it doesn't actually affect their lives personally. Like what What is going? What is going through your mind when you are, when you see this? You see uh, bipartisanship, bipartisanship, and friendship, and civility, and then your initial reaction is, "Look at those white people! Look at those! Like how racist do you have to be to solely see that?" Like, I, I I couldn't help myself, but I tweeted back, "Whoosh!" Like the 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 whole point, whoosh went way over her head. She missed it completely. This is the type of thing that is dividing our country. It's tw- I mean so much on Twitter It's just ramping up the political p- political temperature. So the f- the original tweet got 34,000 her the the lady who tweeted the racist oh it must be fun being white that tweet got 220,000 and 60, 7, retweets. 220,000 likes, Sixty point seven thousand retweets. I would not care that people are saying this crap because obviously there are lunatics out there. But she is validated by her likes and retweets. People are thinking the same way and that is the scary part. When you look at two people who are being bipartisan, being civil with each other, but disagree, and then this person's like, oh, you're white? And people agree with her? That is insane. That is what racism is. I mean, when you're solely looking at the color of their skin... I mean, we have got a lot of work to do. We really do. And I think the first step for me is to to keep my tw- keep my activity on tw- Twitter limited. So, if you if you are as affected by Twitter as I am, I encourage you to do the same. Let's go ahead and go to a cultural critique. Um this this song doesn't really have much to do with politics. I kind of like the tone of the of it. It's more it's more relaxed. It's instrumental. It's no hard feelings by Avit Brothers. Um, I don't know. It's it's always put me in a certain type of mood. I I think that I have certain memories attached to this song, and I think that it's one of those genres, this type of music, where you you can't you can't hate it. You can't. Some people hate country music. Some people hate screamo, but this type of song, I don't think you can hate it. So here it is. Let me, let me know what you guys think.
1: When my body won't hold me anymore And it finally lets me free Will I be ready When my feet won't walk another mile And my lips give their last kiss goodbye Will my hands be steady when I lay down my fears, my hopes and my doubts, the rings on my fingers and the keys to my house, with no hard feelings. When the sun hangs low, in
0: No hard, no hard feelings. You know, this, this election, no hard feelings. The Democrats think it's a win. Let them think that. The Republicans think it's a win. Let them think that. The main goal, the thing that we have to take out of this is that we need to be civil with, civil with each other. We have to be civil with each other. There are no hard feelings. I guess, I guess that's kind of how I can tie it back in. There's no hard feelings. But, I just want to leave uh, you guys on this one point because I was thinking about this incivility, I was thinking about this divisiveness, and seeing the huge gap in in between genders. Women voted for Democrats much, much, much more than men did. And I'm thinking to myself, is this creating a divide? Pardon. Is this creating a divide in relationships? And my initial reaction would be, or my initial thought would be, I don't, I don't see how people who have such different outlooks on life, I don't see how they can get along on a relational level. Especially if you're into politics. I mean, I get it. If you're not into politics, you just have, you vote differently and that's just how it goes. But if you actually care, if you actually cared about this stuff, and you you had these two different outlooks on on life and how the world works and how how politics work. This this divide is only going to get worse and worse. Men will will only get will will continue to get ousted by the uh, liberal agenda. They will continue to be vilified. White straight men will continue to be vilified by the left. Women will continue to be pandered to by the Democratic Party. And it's going to create a, a bigger divide. That's all I see. If I'm wrong, please. Please challenge me on that. I really want to hear that I am wrong because this is kind of this is kind of a scary idea, the fact that men and women are going to be at this gender war within the next decade if it keeps getting perpetuated, if this if these identity politics keep getting perpetuated. I guess I guess that's where I want to leave it. I was just reading The Great Good Thing this this book by one of my one of my role models. I think I talked about it previously. The great good thing is about my role model and his coming into the Christian faith. His whole it's ba- it's basically his memoir, and while reading it, he talks about how he found his wife and how he has this amazing relationship with his wife. I don't know if I've read this passage before in a previous podcast, but it it sticks with me and I think about it a lot. So I want to share it with you guys. All right, let me see <clears> here. <throat> My marriage to Ellen has not been an ordinary one, not by a long shot. It has been a lifelong romance. I love her, by which I mean her good is my good, and her misfortune mine. And I love her passionately, by which I mean I hunger for her company as well as her touch. This has not changed even a little in our nearly forty years together. In nearly forty years, we have had exactly one quarrel. It was meaningless flare of temper more than 30 years ago. Our apartment was being painted. Everything was in chaos. I had a night job and hadn't slept in weeks. We were both out of sorts and we snapped at each other. It quickly passed. For the rest, we had been poor and rich together. Crazy, and sane, happy and miserable, but never wholly out of harmony. I find I can no longer even dream a woman who is not, in some sense, she. But more than that, Our marriage has taken on a life of its own. It has become a third creation, greater than any, greater than anything we are individually or together. I like to think we're perfectly decent people, Ellen and I, but I have all the usual flaws of men and she of women. We're clearly neither one of us as special as this vessel that contains us. I want to re, I want to say that line again, because that line stuck with me the most. We're clearly neither one of us as special as this vessel that contains us. Our marriage shines around us and between us with an otherly light, a sacred habitation for our shambolic humanity. It is soul stuff made visible. So poetic. The way that he describes his marriage, his relationship as a whole seems almost unreal. It seems fictional how he describes his marriage. I really recommend this book. It's, it's a great book. It's The Great Good Thing. That's the name of the book. So go ahead and check it out. It's by Andrew Claven, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite podcasters, a huge role model to me, one of my inspirations in life and in my career. And I urge you to go check him out. I guess why I wanted to bring this in for this podcast because he talks about how... How he has this harmony with his wife. He has this harmony in his relationship. And I'm worried that we as a society are, are this gender warfare that might be going on between men and women. There is, a, there is a disconnect in that harmony. I see it with a lot of people on campus where there are people who just hate men. There are, there are girls who just hate men. And it is doing a toll on the harmony between the sexes. And I'm not sure how to I'm not sure how to fix that. I guess the only way is to stop. Is to stop the identity politics. That's the only way. Maybe the only way is to is to find some type of moral or political. Or I mean, I don't really know. I just I just can see this. I just see how how women are. Not not all of them, but many women on campus have this loathe for men, and it's only growing. This this third wave fem, feminism is only growing. I hope that people start to wake up to it. That's pretty much all I have for you guys today. A um, little bit a little bit longer than normal. Um, I know that not all of you are political, but hey, this is this is something you guys need to know. The midterms, the results of the midterms. This is all part of doing your civic duty. I know that's cliche, but but you got to do it. But before you do it, you have to inform yourself. Hopefully that's kind of what I'm doing here. I want to keep you guys informed. I know I keep myself informed, and I want to relay all this information somehow. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. I know I'm really bad about keeping, keeping it consistent, and I'm trying to get better at it, but I just appreciate that. Even the small amount of people that do listen to this continue to listen to this, and I appreciate you guys. So that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening. This has been the Manning Up Podcast. I'll see you guys on Friday.